What is up, Sista friends? Welcome to another episode of Heart to Heart with Coach Emily. Today, we have a super special guest, one of my fitness clients who is now graduating from Full Circle Coaching to be on her own and fly free. But I brought Ashley on to the podcast today, and I'm super excited to have her tell her story and to have you all be inspired by this amazing person. Um, I always have my guests, Ashley, introduce themselves, but I just want to say, just to start it off, that I sent Ashley this message this week. And I think she's just, you know, this podcast really speaks to like fitness, coaching, entrepreneurs. But you are, you are a, a fairy. You're like this, like, just this sparkle that I think so many people, no matter whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're just someone who listens to this podcast, will be so impressed and impressed and inspired by. Um, Ashley is the type of girl that I think all of us wish could, we could be in some way. And when you hear her story today, she's come a really long way. But I know that this part of you, I'm sure your mom was like, oh, when Ashley was like five years old, she was like this, like, she's the kind of girl that on her 31st birthday was like, I want cheese, not cake. And she wore like this super cute like pink Barbie outfit and she just like lives life so powerfully and uniquely and I think that I just hope you never let that go like I said earlier so um that's my little like introduction but Ashley I want you to go ahead and tell people who you are a little bit about yourself and then we'll dive right in sure so thank you so much for having me and that is just so sweet. It makes me so happy to hear that you're seeing that from me. Of course, behind closed doors, there have been some battles to get to where I am. But before I dive into that, my name is Ashley. I'm currently living in Virginia on the Eastern Shore. I live with my parents at 31 because I am going back to school. I'm finishing up my master's in clinical mental health counseling with full intentions to work with substance abuse and addiction. As I have my own personal experience, I am a retired party girl. I got sober January of thir- January 13th of this year. So we are coming up on my one year sober and I am so excited. So cool. That's amazing. I can't even believe like it's only been, I mean, I've only seen, I worked with Ashley now six months. And so that's six months of your whole year sober journey. And, um, you, I know I I can only imagine how hard it is, but just so that from the outside looking in, you're like, you have, you're just like a warrior with it. Like I wouldn't have known that it hasn't been a year yet. If you hadn't told me, like, it feels like you've been, it's been longer that you've been sober. Honestly, Some days it feels like I'm only a week sober. Some days it feels like I've been sober for 10 years. It's kind of. I think when I came to you six months ago, it was kind of when I was like getting my sea legs. Like I kind of was like, okay, I'm sober. I I think I got this. I think I know where I'm going. So you kind of saw the next chapter. I feel like the first six, six months were like real rough. And then the next six kind of were just like, you know, feeling out who I wanted to become really. Yeah. I mean, you've done the work. So if I would love for you to share, you know, what kind of started your sober journey and um, yeah, how did you decide to go sober? What did that look like for you? So that is a complicated answer that I'm still working at or complicated question kind of that I've tried to be like, find a simple answer. 
And I guess I'm going to try to make a long story short here. So I started drinking heavily when I turned 18. I wasn't really in the drinking scene in high school. Fun fact, me and Emily went to high school together. Um, I definitely, I was like a pothead in high school and I, I was happy with that. And I went off to college and I blacked out for the very first time, probably my second or third day at college before classes even started. And that was, I think the light switch went off. I was like, that's what I want always. And I was just a blackout drinker for well over 10 years. Um, and I think the hardest part for me was that I was extremely successful. So to everyone else, I looked completely functional, but behind closed doors, I was drinking in the morning. I was drinking in the afternoon. I was drinking in the evening. I didn't stop drinking for two of those 10 years, but those other eight years were everything was alcohol, alcohol, alcohol. And back in January, I want to say like 2021 was really the rough part. I had some deaths that happened to close friends. And then also in my family, just really hard emotions. And that's when I started drinking vodka literally 24 seven. So I would wake up, I physically needed it to get out of bed. I would wake up, take a shot, throw up the shot because I had nothing in my system, be able to take two more and I'd be okay to get in my car and drive. And like, none of this seemed wrong to me. And I was working for a fortune 200 company at the time. I was like, I had friends, I had relationships, my family was close, nothing was wrong. But I was miserable. I did not wait. I did not care if I did not wake up the next morning. Like I was very suicidal ideations. And there was still this like glimmer of light, I guess, somewhere in me. I did not have a rock bottom. But one day, right after New Year's Eve this year, I woke up and I was just like, this is not, this is not who I'm supposed to be. Like this, this is sad. Like this is miserable. And somehow I blackout managed to get myself into rehab. So I mean, it was something that was years in the, in the works, I guess, but I just, I couldn't take it anymore. And I knew that I, I didn't want to die, but that's how I felt. So that's really where the turning point was for me. That's so hard. And I'm so sorry. I mean, I don't want to say sorry because you've overcame so much, but it breaks my heart to know that you have felt that felt that way because you are such a light like you are literally like a little light fairy like and you know speaking to that part of um the outside looking in me and Ashley did go to high school together and I'll be totally truth first like I thought you were like a cool girl like and like and just like I was like I I couldn't I don't think I ever even spoke to you in high school and I don't you were a grade below me yeah and you dated, I won't name him, yeah. someone that yeah. I was close <laughs> friends with and not close, but like that friend group intermingled and um, the friend group, the girls I was friends with, I can't even believe it to like, I was friends with them because they were mean girl. I am not a mean girl. And they were the so meanest funny. girls. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but from the outside, I was like, oh my God, Ashley is just like cool and hot and everybody likes her. And like, obviously that was pre this, this 10 year experience, but even like following you on social media, like I told you the other day, like 
you're like an, you were like an influencer me. I wanted to know what you were doing, like who you were, where you were at, like kind of thing. And from the outside, I would have, I would have never known. And it's so wild how something so dark can stay under the surface. Yeah. And it's so funny you say that too, because Yes, I did have a following on social media for parts of my body that I don't necessarily show anymore. But at the same time, it was so difficult because I had like, it was like 20,000 people following me. I was like, I need to keep up this like facade. And then on top of that, just back in January, like even my ex-boyfriend from the time when my drinking got really bad, he was like, I feel awful because I didn't even know that there was a problem. Like, yeah, I saw little red flags here and there, but like, no, but my mom was like, you don't need rehab. Like everybody was like, no, you're fine. Like you look great. Well, I didn't look great in January, but leading up to that point. So yeah, you're right. You never know what's going on behind closed doors. And it's definitely, it's such an eye opening for me to go through because now it's just like, you can't judge anybody from what's going on just on the outside. No clue. And so, so I have a lot of experience, which I've shared with you with alcoholics, um, in my family and just in general. So I, I've always had this, this heart, this really soft spot. And I hate to say the word addict or alcoholic, because I feel like it's such a hard label. So I do like that you say like substance abuse or some, you know, things like that, because I think people put alcohol in a different category of substance abuse. It's like the acceptable substance abuse. And one thing I've learned, and I don't know if you could speak to this, but all of the alcoholics I know are the people that are literally, they hurt the most, they and they hate themselves the most. And then, but other people, it's like this weird, other people now hate them because they're alcoholic, but they already hate themselves. So then they drink more and it's just like, never stops yeah it is it is such a dangerous cycle and it's one that it's one that's scary because you don't realize it and I don't want to I'll never shove sobriety down someone's throat but I do think bringing awareness to every single time that you have an alcoholic drink it is a depressant it is going to affect your brain to a certain extent and a lot of people don't realize that once they start that cycle, it's like, yeah, you're waking up, you feel awful, you're shaming, you're talking negatively about yourself and how you feel. And it creates this just like terrible, miserable cycle. But I think once you're in so deep, it's almost near impossible to dig out of that cycle of use. And I mean, it it is like self-hate in a way, definitely punishment I always just like felt like for the alcoholics in my life that it was like they it was almost like this they didn't know it but I always just felt like it was like they're punishing themselves like I'm not good enough nobody likes me like I need to be punished and then obviously as an as a drunk you do really stupid shit all the time so you feel even worse kind of thing yeah and it's really hard because when you're doing that, it's like, you can always find somebody else who is doing that too. So it's like misery loves company. Like when I was, when I was binge drinking, I'd be like, oh, well, all my friends are doing it too. And it's like, okay, well, that doesn't matter that all your friends are doing it too. And we're out until four in the morning, like looking back on the things that we said, and I'm no longer friends with this 
group of people, but we would be like, oh my gosh, like, why would we do this stuff that we did last night? Like, I don't know, but I'm going to have a drink to forget about it. Like, it's like, what? Like the thought process now is just baffling. I know that like for me in Austin, uh, we're going to do it again in January. This past January, we did 90 days sober because I wanted to understand my relationship with alcohol because I, you know, they say alcoholism is genetic. I think it's more of like shame genetics though. Like, uh, not necessarily (laughs) in my blood, but like the shame cycle. And I started noticing for myself, I would be looking forward to Thursdays because that was my only, like, that was when I could acceptably start drinking. And I never like had excessive drinks. It would just be like, I want like two glasses of wine or like, I love a good margarita or something. Right. But it was like, I was only, I was thinking about it on Tuesday, Thursday's almost here. Like I can have my drink. Right. And then I would drink Thursday then I drink Friday then I drink Saturday because, and then on Fridays and Saturdays, I'd be like, I work really hard. I deserve this drink. <laughs> and I would tell also, I was like, I don't think this is normal. Like I shouldn't be like having these thoughts, right? Like I deserve to like go maybe to a yoga class or go get a healthy green because that's, I work hard. I deserve to take care of myself. Not we should go out. Cause I worked really hard this week and I need a, a beer. Right. And so we started this thing that 90 days sober, and I'm going to do it again because with my wedding and stuff and the stress, the thoughts have come back. And, um, I just think like it was so profound to take the time away. And I don't know, maybe you can see this now as you're starting to notice different thoughts. Cause I know you've expressed them to me, but even my 90 days, I was like, you know, some of the time we're like, wow, we don't need to drink. Like, it was almost like, why did we think we have to do that all the time? It's so, it was so crazy how it changed. Absolutely. And I think that's incredible that you and Austin have taken the time to, did Austin do the 90 days too? Yeah, we both did it. And we're going to do it again. I think that, you know, with, what do they call it? Dry January? Dry January. January. (laughs) Sober October, any of those. It's like, it's phenomenal if you're able to, set aside drinking for a month, but I think you're going to see that mind sh- mindset, mind shift, mind yeah. shift change, mindset shift change, <laughs> whatever it is, that change of your mindset. I think you're going to see that more towards that, like 60 to 90 days because 30 days really, I almost feel like you're still thinking about it. Like week one, week two, possibly week, week three, and you're not really able to like explore internally a little bit but um no that's incredible that you guys are doing 90 days because I don't know many people that do that and understanding your relationship with alcohol is really going to be like the power move here I think that I have addiction in my family as well too but I did not I didn't I was like oh it can never be me like definitely not um but I didn't realize that how reliant I was on alcohol for everything from dating. Like I couldn't go on a date sober. I could never have sex sober. I could never cook my dinner on Friday night, like making pasta sober. Like it was just all these things like big and small that I just couldn't see myself doing soberly because I had, I had created them, created these like habits almost where alcohol was always involved. But you're right when you're saying, at the end of the week, you worked really hard. 
I deserve a drink. And it's like, but that drink's not going to make you feel your best self potentially. Like the green juice is probably, you're showing yourself love that way. And yes, occasionally a glass of wine, I'm sure is fine. But at the end of the day, like, are you going to be able to stop after that one glass of wine? Like, is this going to linger on into the weekend? So that's, that's my thoughts. Yeah, I agree. Because even just like, I think like, I know, and I don't want to say that you're, you're the extreme, but you have an extreme case, like 10 years of binge drinking is a long time. And, um, but I, I think most, I believe, and this is a personal opinion, nobody take it this way, but I think so many of us have really bad relationships with alcohol that we don't even realize that we have, because like, if you can only hang out with your friends and have drinks, like I've noticed these things now that I took time away to be sober. You see all these little things that were like, I, this friend, we only get drinks together. That's all we do. Or if you're coming over my house, you're like, oh, I'll bring a wine, I'll bring wine. And it's like, it's so woven in secretively that you miss it unless you like go the opposite extreme, which in our society being sober is considered extreme. Like you tell somebody they're so you're sober and they ask you so many questions. You know, you know, it's bizarre, but it is so normalized. And I think that's where, you know, there was a fear when I came out of my, I was in rehab from January to February. And I'm like, there was a fear from me like who's still going to be my friends when I come out of this and I'm taking it seriously. And then my friends also had like a fear in a strange way. Cause they were like, well, what's, what's she going to like? Like, is she going to be, I mean, 10 years of drinking is wild, but they had, a, they didn't know who I was going to be when I stepped out of that rehab. So it was like such a strange, just, I mean, if you can catch your relationship before you get to my point, I highly suggest <laughs> doing that. So for the rehab, was it like in like you were in a facility for an extended period of time, or was it like you came and gone, like you went home at night and came back in the morning? Or so I did a full thirty days in Rockville, Maryland. I decided at the time I was living in Florida, and I was like, I gotta get the hell out of here. So I wanted to be closer to home, but obviously not in our hometown. So I went to Rockville for thirty days, and then I also had like seven days in a detox facility. And I was in the highest level of care. So there was no exiting. No one could enter. (laughs) I was locked down without a phone for 30 days. And honestly, phenomenal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's something about your phone. That's just like, I had to make all these big life decisions. And you, you don't realize how many people you actually like reach out to when you're making decisions, not like just to share your ideas. And so I had to make the decision if I was going to keep my job or if I was going to stay in Florida and I had no one to talk to. Like it was just me, myself and I, and my walks. And I was like, wow, this is, but it was also, it was empowering because it's like, I can do these things on my own. Like I crawled out of the darkest of times on my own. Like I'm good. Oh, that makes me really, that makes me (laughs) proud of you. You should be so proud of you. Um, it is true. Cause like we're doing, I'm doing a breakup with your phone challenge with my energetic ladies group. And yeah. even these small little boundaries they've been making with their phone 
they're like, wow, I feel so much. It's, it is pretty crazy. It's another addiction within itself oh. kind of thing. Definitely. Um, but didn't you tell me that you were, um, like you were malnourished, like they were worried about your physical health? Yeah. So last December, I'd gone to my yearly gynecologist. They did, um, I like, I had no period for, I don't know, it was like three or four months or something. And of course, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. Like, what the heck? And obviously it wasn't that. And so they did blood tests and my liver enzymes were elevated and they didn't say anything about it. And there were a few other like things on the blood tests that were just like, they were red flags, but my gyno, obviously like she's not a substance abuse (laughs) individual, so she can't say anything. Um, So by the time I got to, I was not eating period. Like if I ate, I had like these little popsicle balls. They were almost like dipping dots, but they were fruit. (laughs) That's what I would eat. So I wouldn't throw up. That is how psycho I was. Not psycho. I was (laughs) lost. And so when I got to rehab, I was like, I was in between, it was like 80.7 pounds. And like, I'm a small frame anyways, like I'm five, two, but my parents were like, you looked like a skeleton. And my mom to this day is like, I wish I took a picture of you. Although I never want to remember you like at that time, but just so you could have seen like what you looked like. It was rough. And I mean, the hair showed it when you're like, so ill, I'll call it ill like that. It shows in everything. It was showing in my face. It was showing like in my hair, like my skin everywhere. It was just, I was like a walking death, death trap. It was rough. And so in the rehab, they like re-nourished you and all of that. Basically fed you potatoes with every single meal. Everything was starch and carbs. And I was just like, (laughs) Heck, and so by the t- by the time it was like a couple of days before I was leaving, I was like, "Can we please just get a salad? Like, I'm begging you, anything other than ranch dressing and just a salad." <laughs> so I was like coming out of my little cocoon of death there, but yeah, they they plump you up, that's for sure. And I actually had my ex at the time had known somebody who got went to rehab and she had gained a lot of weight. So he was like, what if you gain weight like her? And I was like, no, that's not what I want to do. I want to put like normal weight back on and then get healthy. So I was very smart in rehab about what I ate, but yeah, mashed potatoes all the time. I was like, this is gross. That's so funny. Uh, and Ashley, like for fitness coaching, you know, she loves to eat now. Like you love to eat now. And like, yeah. but you take, like you love healthy food. Now I know you love like your junk food, but you're like the, just from what I've seen as your coach, you're just been so like in love with the meals you've been preparing and like reconnecting with your food. So that's just like, that's pretty cool that in a year's yeah. time completely changed that. Definitely. Yeah. Food is my, food is definitely a love language for me now for sure. But I'd say I still just, I can't stop with the ice cream. It's so bad. Oh, cause you're, she's not supposed to eat dairy. Yeah. I'm like, why can't I stop this? But you know, 
I'm letting the last bit of my birthday ice cream from, from Sunday finish out and then I'm going to restart. <laughs> so That's okay. And I'm okay. for a cheese wheel. Yeah, I know. I still have that too. And I honestly, ever since I cut out cheese, well, somewhat cut it out, reeled it back in. I really don't crave it as much anymore either. And they do say that cheese, what is like, reacts to your brain the same way as like drugs do or something. So that might be it, but <laughs> that's crazy. I'm just a huge addictive personality right here. I think I, I don't think I wouldn't say addictive. I think that you live life intensely and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. And I know that there's shadows to intensity. Right. And unfortunately, right. Yeah. It was a long, intense journey, but I think because you do live life intensely and from the six months that I've gotten to know you, like, I know I've, that's all I've, the time I've had with you, but that intensity in my eyes, like I said, is going to just transcribe to something unreal, like in your life and our, our mess is our message. It's like our shadow, like you're going to, you are so wise. Unfortunately, like we get wise from horrible things, but you are so wise now from all of that. I know the mess is your message. That is, that's what's fueled my, that's why I'm going into mental health counseling or therapy as people still call it. But that's the one thing. I mean, it's just incredible. The amount of people who have reached out to me and they're like, I think I have a problem. Like, I mean, I've helped people get into detox centers. One guy last week, like I've helped people choose between rehabs. It's like, in, it's insane how the internet is so annoying yet so amazing and how, you know, me bluntly sharing my journey on my Instagram story has helped like a good handful of people just this year. It's awesome. I know. I, all of you, like you still have influencer vibes. I think you should really lean into that. <laughs> you just naturally do it, but like influencer in a good way, right? Like you have right. this powerful, powerful story and you have this, like a, this, you're just, you're sparkly. And I think people just want a piece of it. Right. And they want to like, tell me more, like, can you help me? You know, it's just magnetic. And I think like, I mean, if you guys follow Ashley, I'll tag all of her stuff in the notes, but she is, she doesn't hide. She's not like a shame. She's never like, oh yeah. Like I used to have an alcohol problem. It's she's very like open about it. And she kind of called that one day you were like calling people out. You're like, I'm what, where were you? Or like in New York or something or something. Sometimes, you know, something will hit me. <laughs> I just have to go off. Like, and sometimes, <laughs> you know, I don't really get negative. I don't get nasty messages. Like everybody's like, oh, don't you still get like guys like trying to get with you? And I'm like, no, I don't actually. Ever since I switched it from this, I don't know what you would call it beforehand to what it is now. I don't. It's like, it's like, I guess there's a saying for it, but it's like whatever light. I don't know. It's like whatever light I'm putting out there is like coming back to me, whatever that quote is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what you're the energy you're putting out, you're getting back. And I think like you you showcase so many pieces, like you showcase how hard Thanksgiving was. It was your first sober yeah. Thanksgiving 
and that was challenging and you shared that and you, you share everything you showcase your fitness journey. And it's so funny. I'm going to call Ashley out here for a second. She's so brave and powerful and overcame, you know, is on her sober journey, overcoming alcoholism and was so nervous to go into the gym. And now (laughs) I'm literally terrified. And now I'm like, you're just, you're girl, you've conquered way darker things in the gym. And now she loves it. She goes all the time and she crushes it. So like, I just think like you are a good role model for those who want to overcome their darkness. Well, thank you. I know it's something that I need to look into because I know I can grow that following back up. It's just, it takes so much time. A lot of time. It's a lot of time. 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 (laughs) It is weird work. It's so, oh, go ahead. No, it's definitely something that's still on my list. I think it'd be awesome to integrate it in with my own counseling, but we'll see where that goes. Yeah. I think that would be amazing. I was going to ask like, so now you're about to hit your one year. What was like the most in this sober year? What was like your most profound, like, or victorious moment that you just are like, damn, that was, you know, kind of situation. My most victorious moment, honestly, there's been so funny. There's been so many, but it probably, it was something so simple. It was like, sitting this was back in probably July or August middle or end of summer and I had gone out to eat with my parents and this was like a pretty I guess like a party restaurant kind of like right on the water just like you know good old time and it was like the first time that like I sat down and I didn't have that thought of like I want that I want that glass of wine so bad. Like it literally, when the waitress came to my table, it was like, can I have an iced tea? And it was like, I meant it. And I was like, it was just like an at peace moment. And I know that sounds so silly, but like, it was just so, and I sat there and I just kind of relished in the moment for a little bit. And then I told my parents, because <laughs> I was just like, and of course they're looking at me like, yay (laughs) like you've been doing this for like seven eight months already like I'm like yeah but it's it was deep in me I felt it deep in me yeah I can totally understand that right like because those thoughts are over are we're always in the front right always like there nagging you and picking on you like I know during my 90 days sober and we would go out to eat and I would still look at the stupid cocktail list and then yeah I would like fight myself be like no we're just gonna get diet I love diet coke I know I'm a fitness <laughs> I love diet coke I'm like I'm just gonna get diet coke we're all gonna be oh fun. my gosh and so I get it because also after the 90 days I was like well, we'll just see if I want to drink I'll have one it wasn't like right. let's celebrate I did 90 days sober like let's have a drink I was just like whenever I have one I'll have one but at least at like it had changed from like the nagging thoughts of look at the cocktail list. Tell you, it's just like a fitness client, right? Who's like looking at the dessert menu and trying to restrain themselves, right? It's like that switch when you go from knowing that like you can you can just make a different decision because you want to make a different decision. You're not losing out or missing out because you didn't have the wine or the cake or whatever. That nagging feeling too, it's just like, 
like under your skin, like drives you nuts. Yeah. That I think pushing through that. And I think trusting, trusting the process. I hate that saying with a passion, (laughs) probably because it's true, (laughs) but trusting the process. And I, everybody kept saying, you know, one day it'll get easier one day, one day. And I'm like, these guys are liars. Like this is not, this is never going to get easier. I'm always, I used to get into arguments with people. Cause I'm like, it's never going to be easy. It's going to be something I'm going to have to fight every single day. And yeah, I mean, if you just keep fighting that nagging feeling, like it does go away eventually. So now, like every time you still have that piece, like you're like iced tea and you don't even worry about it. Yeah, like I didn't even know it was my, gosh, it was 10 months and my mom was like, happy 10 months. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> I didn't even know it. And that first, like, I mean, obviously every, every month that I was sober, I was posting something in the first six months. And then all of a sudden I was just like, this is just who I am now. Like, I'm going to own it. I'm going to stop whining about it and I'm going to stop trying to force it. So I think that mindset too, really, I still pick up the cocktail menu just out of curiosity. What's like popular now (laughs) as if I'm reading a magazine, (laughs) (laughs) but no, that feeling has long passed. Thank goodness. That's so good. That's amazing. I know like I was vegan for 10 years and when I first Mm. went vegan, at first it kind of, this is the only thing I can relate it to because veganism is the most, it's so extreme. It's just, it's probably the most extreme thing I've ever done, like being a vegan and, or as we said, intense. Um, but just like that, like I would always feel like I can't have, can't have, can't have. And then I would talk about being vegan all the time instead of just being like, this is who I am. And then like, food started like chicken and pork and beef just weren't food to me anymore. Like it almost like it didn't register in my brain. Like it wasn't, it was like, even now, like I don't eat chicken, beef or pork, but it's not food to me. Like I couldn't eat it. So like, that's the only thing I can relate it to is like, you're kind of like, it's like non-existent to you kind of, is that, that's kind of how I'm interpreting it. I mean, definitely. Yeah. Because it just like the, This is so weird to compare it to veganism, but it's very, it's very on point because you're going to the grocery store and shopping at the same spot and you're seeing the chicken, beef and pork, just like everybody else. And you have to actually be the one to like put blinders on. And it's like, it's the same for alcoholism. You're going to go to a football game. Well, guess what? (laughs) It's beer, 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 like everywhere you turn. So yeah, putting the blinders on really just like getting past that feeling I guess that's true with anything totally what would you like you know if you even if someone isn't dealing with substance abuse or they are but they're like walking through something just as dark as you've walked through what's something like either you would love to tell them or something you wish you would love to tell your past self I just said this today to somebody who was struggling with a completely different topic. Um, And it's something that I have to tell myself every single day because we as humans are ever evolving. What works for you today may not have worked for you yesterday and may not work for you tomorrow. 
And for some reason, that always just brings me peace because if I am struggling with a decision that I'm making and how I have to approach it, I may have to try a completely different thing than I did yesterday because it's not working today. And just being okay with learning to be okay with change is like, I swear the secret to life (laughs) that is like that. And if you can manage ambiguity, you're golden. Mm. Like three little points right there. I love that. That was amazing. Yeah. And so true, right? Like people hate ambiguity. It's like in everything. So that's like, yeah, I'm sure you walk through so many gray days where it was just like, which way am I going? And you had to accept it. Even now, my life is very ambiguous. I have no idea where I'm going to be living next year. I don't know who my friends will be. I don't even know if my hobbies will be the same. (laughs) I mean, I'm so, I don't want to say that I'm all over the place, but I'm definitely more fluid now. Like I'm just going with the flow and that's okay with me. Like I don't need to have an end end goal right now. Well, I have an end goal. So I guess that doesn't really count, but I don't need to be like, I need to be married by 35 and like be hammering after that. So that I think just, oh, just going with the ambiguity. Ambiguity is so hard. And I mean, I would say like, I know you're in school to be a counselor, but like, it sounds like what you're trying to say is like, you don't know where, what, where you're landing. You're just like, this is where I'm going for now. And I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to land after that, but we'll just cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah. Cause I always wanted answers, always wanted answers for everything. And that's just not how life works. <laughs> Unfortunately for all of us, no matter what problem. <laughs> oh, we just got to go. Break it to you. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I love this conversation and I just think you're going to leave an immense impact on the world and um I mean you should just be I just hope you're so proud of yourself you should be so proud from Thank you being, being almost a year so going back to school this girl's been cranking out school like a psychopath like hours and hours <laughs> of school while also trying to like really take care of herself and level up in her like self-care the best, honestly, you guys got to follow Ashley. The best is like her little cat videos or like when you're like doing your skincare and stuff, but you're just like all in and soaking up yourself and like in, in the best way, right? Like what, what do I need? How can I take care of me? And like, that includes all these hard things. Like a fitness journey is not easy. And going to get your master's degree is like what I hear the hardest thing to do. do. So you should be so proud. I know your family is proud of you, but you're just, just a rock star, girl. Just a rock star. Thank you. Like I am like so beyond blessed that we crossed paths and somehow I kept stalking you through my drunken hazes. So we were stalking each other. We just needed to send a DM <laughs> and be like, hey, let's be friends. I literally <laughs> always looked at yourself. You and Morgan. Isn't that your so funny? Yeah, Morgan. I was obsessed with Morgan. Literally, Morgan worked for Ashley Katsky. Do you remember the lady she worked for with the blonde or the rich people that lived in Davidsonville? Oh my gosh, why is the name so familiar? 
Well, I had seen Morgan in forever and you two were like famous people to me. And we go to this party and Morgan is like, can I take your, this woman was so rich and Morgan's like, can I take your coat? And I was like, Morgan, you're here. Oh, oh my gosh. It was so crazy. So yeah, I was that, so Yeah, that's her. Oh my gosh. That is so funny. I'm totally going to call her and tell her that you mentioned her in this podcast. She's going to scream of excitement. <laughs> so cool I just thought she was and then she I'll never forget because Morgan's like way taller than us right like mm-hmm. actually they're the same she's height. five seven yeah and she was like you're not wearing high heels you're so short and I, was like, I don't I don't own high heels I'm 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 a personal trainer I make like 20 a year like I don't have high heels um oh my gosh so anyways yeah I always thought you guys were it's hilarious I mean I hate that you were hurting all those years but you've always had people even people you didn't even know just like yeah and you were meant for something great so I'm glad I'm on this side now (laughs) me too um I'll put Ashley's Instagram in the show notes if you guys like today's episode please make sure to share it with your friends your sister friends um if you have any questions or anything like that um you can send them all over to Ashley if you're like walking your sober journey I'm sure she'd be open to chatting with you guys and um, we actually, next episode, we're ha- interviewing another beautiful woman who's on a sober journey as well. She just so- celebrated her one year. And I just always think God's timing is always perfect because dry January is coming up and it's a thing. I know it can be trendy, but I really love what Ashley was saying that that 90 day she feels like is more transformative. So if you guys want to join me and Austin on our January excellence journey, message me and I'll text you our little like January excellence to checklist that we created for each other. Um, and being 90 days sober is part of it. So um, let me know if you have any questions and I'll talk to you guys soon.